I invite Jeremy to come back up. Uh, so we're going to have talk two. Maybe just before he gives that, it would be nice to hear a little bit more about this next step for you in terms of uh, going to Ponder's End. Just tell us a little bit more about that. So you were saying that before that it was three churches, sending churches, or doing this church plant. Just tell us a bit more about the, the area that you're going into and so on. And Yeah, Yeah. no, I'd love to. Thank you, and I'd really appreciate your press. So um, this has only been announced this week. Um, there are three, three faithful churches up in Enfield, um, St. Thomas's Oakwood, Grace Church Highlands, and Christ Church Cockfosters. If you know Cockfosters, that's at the top of the Piccadilly line. Um, and uh, they were told about a building that had been closed just before the pandemic, um, and uh, they were asked whether they'd be interested in uh, sending some people there and reopening the church building. Um, it's in a very, very deprived part of London. Um, uh, it feels very forgotten. It's um, There's a sort of strip of... Um, of London going just up by the Lee Valley, up through Tottenham and that way, which is very, uh, which is really struggling and, and for lots of social housing and lots of poverty and unemployment. And it's in that sort of strip. Hmm. So, um, the, the three churches up in Enfield have raised some money, which is fantastic. And, 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 uh, they interviewed for a church planter and I was appointed. Um, uh, I think, what we're looking to do is get a team of maybe 10 or 15 people uh, who can work cross-culturally, we hope, move to Ponder's End, um, so that it, it doesn't just feel like a load of people turn out all of a sudden one Sunday from out of town, and it and never really feels like it belongs to Ponder's End. Um, and then we're looking to build bridges into the community. There's a school right next door, London City Missionary involved. It's not that far from Oak Hill where I trained, um, and uh, there, there's a a group of people who want to come in and help with schools work. So um, I'd just be part of a team. Um, and then we're looking to establish an, a new Bible teaching church in that part of the world. Hmm. And you'd start with 10 or 15 people. That's a, do you have these 15 yet or not? No, at the moment it's, it's Dawn, me and two cats. That's all, that's all I've got. <laughs> so it's a bit like Abraham heading out, not knowing where he's going. You know, it's that kind of step of faith, trusting that... Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. I mean, we believe that God's word bears fruit the last thing. And, and, uh, uh, and, and actually, you know, what, what I'm, what, what particularly reassured me about this opportunity is that it's quite networked. There's lots of support. I think, you know, we've, um, we certainly know one church planter who's sort of burnt out and, uh, and, and, um, I think because it's a very high energy activity, church planting, it takes a lot out of you. I'm I'm really reassured that that there are other people fairly close by who are going to be praying for us and loving us and looking after us and providing for us and that's that's a great comfort to me actually. Hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be quite different to what you have been doing for the past how many years at Trinity? Sixteen years. Sixteen yeah. years. So a church plant from St Helens, quite middle class, yeah. professional, and this is going to uh, an area of social need. And in terms of the demographic, ethnically. So um, quite a, a Turkish community, so all the shops on the high street would be Turkish, there's a mosque, mm. um, uh, but um, not that you'd see this so much on the high street, but there's quite a large sort of African and Caribbean population, um, and very, very diverse, mm. um, and then there's a sort of white working class generation who've been there for a while, so um, yeah, I mean I guess they're, they're, they're what, what 
what we've gathered from the area, we've been up, we've been up there a few times, is that you get that sort of refreshing honesty from people. They're very happy to say what they think. Um, I think people know that there's, 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 there isn't that self, middle class self righteousness, um, which you can, which you can experience sometimes. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, people are very disconnected from church. They wouldn't be part of their thinking at all. So, um, yeah, lots of prayers needed and, and, and planning to do. Yeah. And what, um, what drew you to this then? So you've been, you know, actually is at Trinity. Uh, this is a very, very different type of uh, bit of the harvest field. What was uh, your thinking in terms of feeling this is the right thing for us? And I mean, your sort of, uh, you know, public school background and so on. It's not, just take us through that in terms of why you felt, okay, this is where God wants us. And... Yeah, I think th- three sort of levels, if I can put it like that. So uh, uh, probably the most important level, we had people coming on to Trinity who, who uh, um, from estates or... Um, uh, a, a sort of more troubled backgrounds, and I think Dawn and I um, uh, enjoyed reaching out to, to people from from that background for all kinds of reasons. And there is a sort of refreshing honesty, and and, and, and you can talk to someone very openly, really, about Jesus. Mm. People, I, I guess, know that they've got needs. They may well be aware they're a sinner, mm-hmm. um, and so there was that level. I don't, a sort of middle level, um, uh, I got to know a little bit about a church called St. George's Dagenham when someone I knew was moving on, and I, and I read about that church, and the timing was all wrong, this was a couple of years ago, but I, I, I just read about it and I thought, hmm, I, 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 I would love to get involved there, if that were possible, right? and, and that quite surprised me in a way, but I, mm. um, and I, and we, and we, I think we do really feel that like God's been preparing us for this, and then at, at another level, then, um, with the Church of England, the diocese, I've been involved with um, estates work. So I'm the estates advocate for uh, Stepney. And that means that actually I've, I've been to a few conferences and I've had the chance to talk to some people who are doing, doing the work on the ground. And those three things together, I think, convinced us that, that God might be leading us in that direction. Mm. As it happens, St George's Dagenham is one of our partner churches. So. Fantastic! Yeah, that, that, that is great yeah. news. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of timing, then you're staying at Trinity till May, was it? Yeah. And then a bit of a gap, or maybe. And... Well, I think then we'll do. Uh, we'll sort of start meeting together as a team. Yeah. Um, and then we'll have a public launch later on in the year. That's the plan at the moment. But yeah. who knows how things might change? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for sharing that, and we'll be praying for you. Thank and, you. Um, over to you. Good. Well, I'm very glad you enjoyed your fish and chips or uh, whatever you have for lunch. Um, once again, it's great to, to be here. Turn back to Hebrews 11. Now we're going to have another look at that part of the Bible. And we're going to start at verse 23. Hebrews 11, verse 23. Once again, I'm using the ESV. You might be able to get that on your phone if that would be easier. Or the Bibles uh, are NIV, which are on the chairs, and they're, they're very similar. Good. Um, just a, a, a brief note about resources. I put one or two things in here. Um, Peter Adam, the Majestic Son, I found very, very helpful. Um, David Peterson, actually, in Hebrews, and he's written a commentary in the Tyndale series, if you're into buying commentaries. Uh, but the New Bible commentary is very good, actually, and it's a, it's a really condensed and succinct uh, summary 
of, 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 um, of the book. I found that really good. The structure in particular is absolutely excellent. Good. Uh, there are also some good, uh, some, some good, good book company studies uh, that they're also publishing. I think one's called From Shadows to Reality, uh, but they're worth checking out as well. Good. Shall we pray as we begin? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the Lord who's faithful to himself and, and your promises are fully reliable. We can't see you, but we know that we can trust you. And so we ask, Father, that as you have promised to speak when your word is faithfully preached, that you would speak to us this afternoon. Please, Father, help us approach your throne of grace and confidence. Help us uh, be quick to repent and put our trust in you. Please, Father, uh, can your word be transformational in our lives. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Good. Well, let me read Hebrews 11. Verses 23 to chapter 12, verse 3. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance 
the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. There's a picture of a book which I've put on the handout. It's called Finishing Strong. It's not a great book, and I wouldn't recommend it. Don't go out and buy it. But it has got a great introduction. And um, I'm going to read the first few paragraphs. Have a listen to this. The year 1945 was a remarkable year. In that year, 27-year-old Billy Graham came storming out of seemingly nowhere to fill auditoriums across America. But Billy Graham wasn't the only young preacher packing auditoriums in 1945. Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were accomplishing the same things and more. All three young men were in their mid-twenties. One seminary president, after hearing Chuck Templeton preach one evening to an audience of thousands, called him, quote, the most gifted and talented young man in America today for preaching. In that same year, Clifford preached to an auditorium of thousands in Miami, Florida. People lined up 10 and 12 deep outside the auditorium trying to get in. Graham, Templeton and Clifford. You've heard of Billy Graham, so how come you've never heard of Chuck Templeton or Bron Clifford? Just five years later, Templeton had decided he was no longer a believer in Christ in the orthodox sense of the term. By 1950, he said he no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Jesus Christ. What about Clifford? By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then ultimately his life. At just 35 years of age, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a run-down motel on the edge of Amarillo, Texas. In the Christian life, it's not how you start the matters, it's how you finish. It's not how you start the matters, it's how you finish, it's how you endure And chapter 11 of Hebrews really is a call to endure in the race. That's how it's framed. So if you go back to chapter 10, verse 36, if you turn back to that, have a look at that verse. Chapter 10, verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Enduring for a future promise. Or come forwards to the other end of the chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. See, it's the other side of the frame. This is the outbox of the chapter in in many ways. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Because, you know, when, when I look around the people at Trinity Church Islington, I worry for them. I worry. Do you remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians? 
The Apostle Paul, he says he's laboured, toiled, often gone without sleep. He's known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. He's been cold and naked. But what really gets him into Corinthians in the next verse is his daily concern for all the churches. That's what gets him. And I worry, I, I, was, um, I was president of the Christian Union at Barts many, many years ago. And there was a statistic uh, that was doing the rounds. I'm, I'm going to make it up, but it was something like this. That 10 years later, pres- only 25% of presidents of Christian unions were still persevering as Christians. And I worry where my church is going to be in 10, 20, 30 years' time. Where, you know, what's going to happen to the Christians that I know and I love? Are they, are they going to persevere, praying to an invisible God, trusting in an unseen city? Are they still going to be going strong in 2043? Um, I'm sure Marcus and, and the team here worry about you in, in a right way. Uh, we've got someone who used to be on the leadership team at Trinity in the very early days and who says they're no longer a Christian and they don't want to talk about it. It's not just how you start that matters, it's how you finish. Two things then to remember from from this part of Hebrews. And the first is this. Faith lives God's way. If you want to persevere, then you'll need to live God's way. Uh, people like to say, as, as we said a bit earlier on, that faith is sort of a private thing in here. Um, it, it's something that you just keep to yourself. Uh, far better if you don't, um, uh, if you don't proselytize or sort of force other people to believe what you believe. Just keep it to yourself, please. That would be helpful for everybody. That uh, you can believe what you want as long as you don't take it too seriously. Uh, one person put it like this. Nowadays, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as what you believe doesn't matter. It's just, just a helpful thing for you. I'm sure your HR department at work, if you're working, would love you to be like that. But Hebrews 11 just can't give you that permission. And that's why this chapter is full of action. You see, it's full of things that people are doing in obedience to God. And, and it's full of verbs, sort of active words, offering, constructing, going, seeking, invoking, choosing, Enduring, keeping, crossing, encircling, welcoming, conquering, enforcing, obtaining, stopping, quenching, escaping, being mighty, and refusing. Those are just some of the words that the writer to the Hebrews uses as he describes these people who've understood what faith entails. Now, it it didn't save them. What saved them was Jesus' self-sacrifice. The rest of the Hebrews has explained that. The sacrifice which gives us every confidence to enter the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. He is both the high priest and the sacrifice. Hebrews has been teaching us. Chapter 12, verse 2, we read that out. Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what saves us. Trust in Jesus. But when you know that there's a better country to come, then it, it, it must change you. It sets you apart from your peer group. You are going to be unavoidably different. When, when you believe in things unseen, that you, you will do things which no one who doesn't trust in Jesus around you is going to do. 
and it will set you apart, you know. Um, like I said earlier on, um, I'm a, a West Sussex boy. Uh, I grew up on the South Coast, and, and so I support Brighton and Hove Albion. I mean, you, you, you have to stick with your childhood team, yeah? If you're a football supporter. And next week, I don't know if you follow these things, uh, next week, Brighton and Hove are playing Man City, probably one of the best teams in Europe. Um, I'm slightly nervous about it, to be honest. But, but faith, in, in one regard, is, is not so much about cheering for Brighton during that game at the Brighton end. It's about cheering for Brighton at the Man City end. You see, we, we're surrounded, we're going to be different. We're surrounded by people who, who are serving different gods. And so we will necessarily be different from them. Do you remember Noah from verse 7? Um, just looking back to the beginning of the chapter, Noah. Um, he's one of the people of faith. I mean, he must have seemed like a nutter, mustn't he? Can, can you imagine what he looked like? Um, God had told Noah he was going to destroy the world. And people around him just did not believe him. They were getting their plans sorted for the weekend. I mean, why wouldn't you? They were buying coals for the barbecue. But Noah was warned about things unseen... And, and so he lived God's way. He built an ark. Now, that took guts, but there is integrity in that. Um, do you ever feel like the weird one, just saying to people, um, there's a God in heaven, and you've sinned against him, and he will judge you one day, unless you turn to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you feel weird saying that? You know... If I look at some of my non-Christian friends, their lives are more together than mine. Okay, they don't look like they need saving. They look so fine. They're really capable people. They genuinely don't seem to need it. But I have to tell them. I have to be different. Well, Moses, um, verse 24. Think about him. Moses, he's, he's a, another good example. In fact, let me read from verse 23. Verse 23. And by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Have you been to the British Museum? Have you seen the treasures of Egypt? (laughs) He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than that, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he, I love this phrase, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So you've probably heard the story, maybe haven't, but shortly after Moses was born, he was discovered by an Egyptian princess. And even though he belonged to the underclass uh, in Egypt at, at that time, he was brought up in her household. Slave boy makes good. Result, he's landed on his feet. And, and yet, he chooses to identify with the family of his upbringing although they were despised. That was a choice to make, wasn't it? 
And he turned his back on, on three things, on prestige, verse 24, on pleasure, verse 25, and on prosperity, verse 26. Prestige, pleasure, and prosperity. It's so easy to drift a little bit in those three areas. Ask yourself which of those three you feel most drawn towards. Prestige, prosperity, pleasure. Prestige, when I was a, when I was a junior doctor and uh, wanting to climb the ladder in medical circles, I had to refuse to do something that was, that was ethically wrong, um, according to the Bible. And the senior registrar took me to one side and he said, you know, Jeremy, let me give you some advice. Things are going to go much, much better for you if you drop this Christian thing. Really, it's getting in the way of your career. Um, I know you want to be a member of the team. Just work with us on this, please. Um, I would call myself a Christian, he said to me. I just don't let it interfere with my work. It's hard, isn't it? He was going to write my reference. Um, Prosperity. When I went from being a student to working, my income suddenly went through the roof and my opportunity to sort of hang around and spend money went to the floor. And um, I'm not sure my giving went through the roof to the same extent, you know. I, I, I wonder if I enjoyed having that money in my bank account a bit too much. It's a nice feeling, isn't it, to be able to buy things. And pleasure... I just think of a few single people at church who are being, who are Christians and are being pursued by non-Christians who want to go out with them. Um, I can't speak for all of them, but do you know what would be pleasurable for them, at least in the short term, in terms of fleeting pleasures, to have someone who puts their arms around them and tells them that they're special? It's difficult, isn't it? Prestige, prosperity, and pleasure. If you don't want those things for yourself, you'll end up wanting them for your kids, if you have kids. <laughs> where's the war zone in your life? Where, where's the fight? Where do you think you might be weakest? Which of the so-called pleasures of sin do you need to be particularly careful of? That, that pleasure is so fleeting, you know, it doesn't last when we serve our idols. They don't look after us. But it is tempting. And I felt that too. But Moses was unafraid. He, he made good choices. And he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He kept going because he was unafraid. You know, our, our fears determine so many of the choices that we make. Things that, you know, our deep-seated fears, they... They often determine the way that we live our lives. Fear of failure, fear of isolation, fear of disapproval, fear of poverty, whatever it is. And you know, there's crunch moments come at work or in our personal lives and we have to decide who we will fear. Faith lives God's way. If you're struggling with a particularly difficult choice at the moment, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with another Christian. Come and talk to Marcus or Fiona. Ask them to pray with you. It's hard making decisions, but faith lives God's way. It's amazing that there are so many different experiences in this chapter. Did you notice that? I mean, 
in the discussion time, why don't you share stories of what situations faith has led you into? That could be a massive encouragement. I love the variety of, of it all in Hebrews 11. There'll be many examples of this room. Um, no one size fits all. Where has faith led you in your life? I'd love, I'd love to hear the answer to that. Um, before Dawn and I got married, then we filled out a, a, a marriage preparation questionnaire and it asked this question, where do you want to be in 25 years time? And I've still got, I've still got the copy of, uh, of, of our marriage preparation questionnaire that we filled out and it says a consultant. I mean, of course, of course I want to be a consultant. If, if someone had told me back in 1994, that I was going to spend my life teaching the Bible, I would have laughed myself stupid. But this is where God has brought us, and it there's just a huge variety of different adventures. For some, you notice in Hebrews 11, it meant great conquests and avoiding death and stopping the mouths of lions. I mean, they must have been great experiences. Uh, our son studying uh, Latin and Greek history and he told us the other day they've been studying texts uh, written by Roman historians where the lions refuse to eat Christians extraordinary contemporary accounts that's exciting isn't it when that happens for other people notice it means being tortured and living in caves and being sawn into great suffering and that leaves a lot of scope for us doesn't it as we look forward to the rest of our lives wondering what it's going to look like. But it's not unexciting, is it? Because faith lives God's way. It's a question of the way that you see things, with the physical eye or with the eye of faith, how you look and where you look. This world only or the world to come. Where's the centre of gravity? Where's it pulling you towards? Which brings us to our second point. Faith receives God's rewards. Faith receives God's rewards. You see, faith endures to the end. Have a look down uh, at chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Let me read out those words again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the faith uh, the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the foundation and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. See the race in verse 1, run with endurance, the race that is set before us. It's more of a marathon than a sprint. And we can't set our own course. God chooses the path. That's the Christian life. Then you can see the runners in verse 1, throwing off everything that entangles them, everything that might make them hesitate before serving God, they're planning for godliness. You see, planning for godliness. Every felt need for which they would gladly disobey God. But then look at the crowd. Such a cloud, of, such a great cloud of witnesses. 
Um, I, I don't think the picture here, I might be wrong, I don't think the picture here is that Abraham and Moses and Enoch and Noah are cheering us on now, although that may be true. Um, during lockdown, I went on a lot of 5K runs. Uh, I know quite a few of us took up running during, during lockdown. And my 5K course finished down this long, sweeping road. Um, it's, it's great to finish your 5K on. And it's called Hemingford Road. And um, one evening during lockdown, I just got the timing all wrong. And it was Thursday night at 8 p.m. Um, and I was running the finishing stretch down Hemingford Road. And it just happened to coincide with the clap for carers. So I was running down Hemingford Road. And then as, as I was... As I was sort of running down the road, everyone came out of their houses and they were clapping and cheering and sort of banging saucepans. It felt really good. I can tell you as I ran, ran the last 300 meters. I, I don't think the picture is of Abraham and Moses and Enoch and Noah cheering us on right now. I think we're looking back to them and we're learning. We're learning from the way they live their lives. I think that's the main picture, learning how to do it. Learning how to live this extraordinary kind of life, believing unseen truths and living radical lives and making difficult choices. Just like we look to Jesus and we learn from him, the greatest hero of our faith, the one who endured what we will never have to endure, the wrath of God, as he died in shame and hostility for the sin that we will never have to bear because it's been punished in him. And so we learn from the witnesses. Here in London, as we go back to London later on, we would do well to learn from the witnesses who've, who've lived in our city. I mean, they walk the same pavements that, that we walk along. You know, Lloyd-Jones and Wesley and Isaac Watts and Spurgeon. Our, our church where we meet is just a stone's throw from Smithfield. And that was the place where people like the Protestant martyr John Rogers was burnt at the stake in 1555, saying as he died, that which I have preached, I will seal with my blood. You see, we, we learn from these people as we look back on them. They didn't live perfect lives. If you look back on people like Gideon, I, I, he had all kinds of divided loyalties, but ultimately his faith was in the right place. He didn't get everything right, but he got that one thing right, and that was to trust God, endure and we will be richly rewarded. Chapter 11, verse 4. Abel was commended. He was commended. Enoch was commended. Moses, verse 25, was looking forward to his reward. And they knew that they would not be disappointed. If, if you live a, a life of faith... The world will not commend you. You will not get commendation from the people around about you. Turning down a promotion so that you can stay involved at church. Moving to a trickier part of town so that one day you can support a church plant. Uh, Move up to Ponder's End if you'd like to. We'd love that. Not moving to Devon or Whitstable because there's a city of eight or nine million people that needs to be reached. And, and, And for those of us who... Uh, who want to live in London. That is a great prize, isn't it? The world won't commend you, but God will. Chapter 11, verse 39. They were commended through their faith, and they heard those words from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we're keeping going for. God's commendation. There is nothing sweeter.
And things were hard for them. Some were tortured, jeered, and, and flogged. And the Bible is extremely honest with you that things are not going to be easy. And there are some people around London who say, if you have faith in God, nothing bad can happen to you. No illness, no poverty, no setbacks. The book of Hebrews strongly disagrees with that. The thing is that these people of faith did not receive what was promised, but they died looking forwards to it, and they had full confidence, rightly, that they were going to receive it. God had planned something better. Glory in heaven. That is the, that's the center of gravity for the Christian, and it's pulling us forwards towards that great day. And, and none of us will say on that day, I wish I hadn't lived my life for him. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And my head friend of mine, Kev Murdoch, say this one, so I hope he doesn't mind me repeating it. Imagine someone who's, who's young at the moment, um, Hattie, for instance. Um, Hattie is 17. Um, imagine Hattie in 75 years' time. Uh, she's going to be uh, in a nursing home in Eastbourne, I imagine, by then. Uh, she'll be 92. Um, and uh, the year's, what, uh, 2098. She'll be listening on the radio to how Brighton Hove have won the Champions League again. Um, and, and she'll be looking back on the old days. You know, she chats with her, her, her friend, we'll call her Mildred, um, and uh, looking back on the 2020s, sort of way back um, earlier on in the century. I wonder what stories she'll tell Mildred over a cup of tea. Maybe, maybe she'll say, um, Mildred, I remember by faith, they started new churches in the, in the city of London. And they gave themselves to Christian groups in their companies. They, 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 they spent their annual leave teaching on Christian camps. Um, they gave up their free time to pray. Sometimes they had to tighten their belts in order to give to their churches. I remember that. And sometimes they gave up their houses and jobs and cars and they gave hospitality to strangers. And they raised their children to to know the Lord and they stayed faithful in their marriages or they stayed faithfully single. And sometimes their non-Christian parents were bitterly disappointed in their choices and it wasn't easy for them, but they spent time offering and constructing, going, seeking, choosing, keeping, crossing, encircling, welcoming, conquering, enforcing, obtaining, stopping, quenching, escaping, being mighty and refusing. That's how they spent their time, I remember. That's what they did. And sometimes they saw amazing things happen, but often they felt like none of their friends understood them and Mildred is, is going to push away her cup of tea with the little shortbread biscuit that the nurse has just brought her and she's going to lean forwards and say why and Hattie's going to say they did it because they believed in an unseen city whose builder and designer is God and they took God at his word and they kept going because they knew that it wasn't how you started that matters, it's how you finish. Shall we pray?
God, we praise you for the example of those who persevered. We know that some of them had exciting experiences, um, some of them had desperate experiences. Uh, some of them were killed. But they were looking to the city that was still to come, and so they endured. They were different. They were prepared to be distinctive, but they knew where they were headed. Thank you, Father, that none of us who serve the Lord Jesus Christ in faith will lose our reward. Thank you that that reward has been bought for us by the blood of Jesus. Please enable us by your Spirit's power to endure until that day. And we ask in your name. Amen.